the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's been said that sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. I entitled this message, Coming to the End. Yes, there's always an end to everything, good and bad, like the end of a vacation that always seems to happen a little faster than what we would like, or when we come to the end of a workday, sometimes that takes a little longer than we wanted, or having family over and you're sad when the visit has come to an end, or maybe for some you're not so sad. (laughs) It's time for you to go. (laughs) Maybe you're wondering if they were ever going to leave. Hey, we're so glad you came over. We'll have to do it again. Like, hint, hint, like we're done with this one. Have a safe drive home as you get up from sitting down. But some don't get those little hints. That's when you have to resort to the slang goodbyes. Like, well, hey, we'll catch you next time. You know, like, peace out. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) And if they don't get that, that's when you have to go for the good old-fashioned foreign language goodbyes. You know, like, adios, ciao, sayonara, (laughs) arrivederci. Well, you get the point. Yes, everything comes to an end eventually. From vacations to family visits, from wonderful experiences to even the most difficult seasons of life when our joy has been cast aside by an unwanted circumstance, like losing a loved one. That's something that none of us look forward to deal with. Why? Because we love that person, and moving forward without them seems completely overwhelming. Just the thought of not seeing them again in this life is not a pleasant one. That's why many don't like talking about death. Probably for three main reasons. Number one, the fear of death. Number two, the finality of death. And number three, the uncertainty of what follows. But the Bible says to us who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he tells us in 1 John 5, 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Yes, the Bible says that we can know. It's not a hope-so knowledge, it's a know-so knowledge. That is, for those who have embraced Jesus as our Savior, those who are born again, which brings us to our last study here in the book of Genesis. 
As you remember from last time, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, who God had renamed Israel, was giving his last words of blessings to his sons. He had 12 sons. Well, it didn't take long for him to bring up his firstborn son, and it didn't go well for him. His name was Reuben. Usually the firstborn son, you know, has the lion's share of the inheritance. Why? Well, he was the oldest of these 12 sons. He even tried to save Joseph, Reuben did, when his other brothers wanted to kill him. You know, because they were jealous of Joseph. So Jacob, you know, loved Joseph and hid him in a hole and went back to work thinking he would come back later, get him out of the hole and take him back to his father, Jacob. But of course, that's not what happened. You know, while Reuben went back to work, his other brothers got him out of the hole and ended up selling him as a slave to Ishmaelite slave traders. Why was Joseph the favored son of his father, Jacob? Probably because the only woman that he loved, the love of his life, was Rachel, and that was his mother. Yet his conniving brothers here, the other brothers, all sold him. And Reuben, later in his life, with his heart that was filled with lust, while his father, Jacob, was going through the most tragic time of his life since his wife Rachel had died while bearing her second son, Benjamin. We're told in Genesis 35, 22, that Reuben went in to lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, another wife, and Israel heard of it. Yes, while his father was burying the love of his life, His eldest son, through another wife, Leah, which he never wanted in the first place, but you know how that whole story came down, was sleeping with his dad's concubine. We're not told why he did this, but is there ever a really good reason for sin anyway? You know, lust just prevails over common sense. It's been said that sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay, and sin will cost you much more than you want to spend. Well, Bilhah, again, was given to Jacob by his wife Rachel as another wife because Rachel at that point could not have any children before she bore Joseph. And so Bilhah bore two sons to Jacob, Dan and Naphtali. So instead of receiving the lion's share of the family inheritance, Reuben ended up receiving nothing. Then Simeon and Levi were scolded for their anger in killing Shechem and all of Shechem's men because Shechem had violated their little sister, Dinah. They took matters into their own hands, you could say, but yet the Bible tells us that Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine. Many times when we get hurt, oh, we don't get mad, we just get even. But God says, no, you leave it for me. But then he turned around and he blessed Judah. 
Judah became the one that would be in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It was through his bloodline that the Messiah would come. Yes, it's through that bloodline that would lead to the Messiah, Savior, Jesus. We're told back in, uh, in the book of Revelation 5.5 5, that Jesus is the lion from the tribe of Judah out of the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 tribes of Jacob, his 12 sons, it was through Judah that the Messiah would come. Jacob, in his last words, had something to say to all of his sons. And he also included Joseph's two sons in his blessing, Ephraim and Manasseh. And when he was all done, chapter 49 ended in the last verse with Jacob breathing his last breath. Now, as we pick up in chapter 50, which, of course, man puts the chapter breaks in, so this is just a continuation. Jacob had died, and we just go right in to the next point here. But we'll look at three points in light of our title coming to the end. Number one, a time to mourn. When we lose someone dear to us, it is definitely a time to mourn. Number two, a time to fear. Now that Jacob, the father, was gone, what is Joseph going to do to all of his brothers that sold him into slavery and caused all those years of misery in his life? And number three, a time to live. Joseph lived a long life because God blessed him. Well, let's look at our first point, a time to mourn. As we read again here, picking up in chapter 50 of Genesis, which is a continuation of the last verse of chapter 49. It says, then Joseph, in verse 1, fell on his father's face, and he wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants the physicians to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now, 40 days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him for 70 days. Now, when the days of mourning for him were passed, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, verse 5, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am about to die in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go and bury my father. Then I will return. You remember back in chapter 49, you know, Jacob uh, was talking to his son Joseph, and he says, Look, son, I have to trust you and you only here. I can't trust your brothers. Don't let me be buried here in Egypt. Put me back in the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, God's promised land. That's where I want to be buried. Getting back to verse 6. So Pharaoh said, go up and bury your father to Joseph as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father and with him uh, he went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. And all the household of Joseph and his brothers and his father's household, they left only their little ones and their flocks and their herds in the land of Goshen. Verse 9. There also went up with both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. And when they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and sorrowful lamentation. And he observed seven days mourning for his 
Father. We'll stop there. Well, that's a lot of text, but we want to get the whole picture of what's happening here. Now, as soon as Jacob died, the spirit, his spirit, left him. See, we are spirit, soul, and body. You could say that these bodies are literally a tent. Now, we've gone to funerals before, right? And we know that that body sits in that casket. That body is buried in a grave. It decomposes, turns into worm food. This body is a tent, But you, your spirit, you live inside of this body. And as soon as his body died, his spirit left him. And once we die, the Bible says that we go, that is true believers, immediately into the presence of God. There is no waiting for a believer. We go immediately into a new spiritual body. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But that's a believer. That's not what happens to a non-believer. A non-believer goes to a place called hell. But there's two different definitions of hell in the Bible. Do you know that every definition of hell in the Old Testament, it comes from the Hebrew word Sheol. Sheol means a place of departed souls. So there is a place that departed souls go that don't know God. They go to this place. Now, this is not purgatory. The Catholic Church created this place called purgatory saying, if you're not a great person, you can go to this place called purgatory, then someone can pay enough money and light enough candles and pray you out of purgatory. Uh, No, that's not biblical. So no, that is not what it's talking about. This place is a place that is specifically a holding tank for Revelation 20, which is the great white throne judgment. Everyone that goes to the place of departed souls is going to the great white throne judgment and will later go into a place called hell. You're saying, well, wait a minute. I thought all those places in hell in the Old Testament were from the Hebrew word Sheol. They are place of departed souls. Every place in the New Testament, they go to the same place. Hell, which is uh, the Greek word Hades. It's again, same place, place of departed souls. Except for in the New Testament, 11 places where the word hell is used is not Hades or Sheol, the place of departed souls. 11 of those places are Guiana. Guiana is a place of everlasting torment, of fire, the pain that never ceases. The other word, the 12th word, is Tataro, which is a place of everlasting punishment. So it says in Revelation 20, that there's no place to hide and death and hell will come before God. They are judged at the great white throne judgment. So death and hell, Sheol, Hades, the place of departed souls, they are judged before God. Then they are cast into hell, Guiana, place of everlasting punishment. And by the way, God never desired or wanted human beings to go to Guiana, the place of everlasting punishment. That was a place that was made for the devil and the fallen angels. We're told in Revelation that a third of the stars of heaven, the angels fell when there was a mutiny in heaven with Satan. So that's what that hell was created for. But yes, we though, we will no longer be bound to these human bodies anymore. When the true believer dies, we don't do any of that 
place of departed souls. We don't do any of this great white throne judgment. We don't do anything to do with that place, Guiana, the place of everlasting torment. We, as soon as we die, as Jacob did, we go immediately into the presence of God. And we know that's where Jacob went because when they were asking Jesus about the resurrection, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They just thought you lived and you died. That's why the Sadducees were sad, you see. Okay, and so he says, God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, meaning they're still with God in heaven. And so we will go into uh, the presence of God when a true believer dies. And the, the life that, that, that we have now is going to be different in the life we'll have in heaven. We will no longer have a sin nature. We will no longer, in this new body in heaven, it will not be subject to sickness. It will not be subject to death. This life that has a limitation in it in this life here, you know, to only what we can see and touch. But the next life, we will see God. We will see the glory of heaven. We will see what we have only dreamed about in this temporal life. We will see the promises of God unfold before our very eyes. The Bible tells us this. Now, look, if you want to keep your finger in Genesis 50 here, flip over to the last book of the Bible. We're in the first book of the Bible right now. Flip to the last book of the Bible, to the last page of the Bible. That's Revelation chapter 22. Let me read to you what we get to partake of. Revelation 22.1, this is after the great white throne judgment, all the non-believers are cast into hell. This is talking about us here. Revelation 22.1 says, then he showed me. Who did he show? The apostle John, the disciple that Jesus loved, the one that those of you that are going on the Greece trip with me, the footsteps of Paul, we're going to go to the island of Patmos where the apostle John wrote these very words of the book of Revelation. He says again in verse 1, And then he showed me a river of water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its streets, on either side of the river, there was a tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Verse 3 of Revelation 22, there will no longer be any curse and the throne of God, and the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. Who's his bondservants? The doulois, those who have become slaves to the Lord by their own free will and desire. That is you and me. And the bondservants will serve him, verse 4, and they will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. Ephesians 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit of promise puts a seal of promise upon each one of our foreheads. Verse 5. And there will be no longer any nights. And there will have no need of the light or the lamp or the light of the sun. Because the Lord God will illuminate them. And they will reign forever and ever. Wow. Wow. Amen. Listen, if reading something like that doesn't motivate you, if it doesn't excite you, I don't think anything will excite you. Know this, heaven is not just a destination. Heaven is a motivation. 
It's a reason to change how we live in the here and now. It's a reason to change the way that we do things, how we prioritize our life, how willing we are to share with someone. I was just sharing with two young men I was playing basketball with on Friday. They were like 20, 21 years old. And of course, me, the 62-year-old guy, had to win. It's just good what we do. And the one kid said, you know, you got like that dad strength. And I said, that's right. Yeah, I got old man dad strength. That's right. And, uh, and so, uh, it, but, you know, I got to share the whole gospel with them. And one was asking, well, how do I know that I'm saved? And I went and got my Bible, and I just walked through the scripture with him. And the other one said, you know, well, listen, you know, and they were two uh, young black men. And, and I said, uh, uh, you know, the one said, well, hey, you know what? I just think it's wrong how they put us in jail. And I'm like, well, uh, I don't think anyone should be put in jail unless you deserve to be put in jail. And he goes, well, uh, how do you think about that? I go, well, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says you'll reap what you sow. And there's another guy named Andrew there. And I said, if you steal Andrew's car, you go to jail. That's how it works, okay? Because you are stealing. Thou shall not steal. So if I steal Andrew's car... I should go to jail, okay? It doesn't matter what color you are. I go, and the reason we're seeing such a breakdown right now is we're getting away from what the Bible says because the Bible says we should have discipline. And he goes, well, yeah, but how does the the, uh, authorities have the right to rule over us? I said, because God gave them the right in Romans chapter 13. He says, but what if the people that are ruling over you are unjust? And I said, well, because every nation is unjust. When God was telling us in Romans 13 that these nations are given to bear laws upon us so that we can live tranquil lives, he was given that to what? Rome, which was an unjust and corrupt country just like the United States is. So it doesn't matter if the rulers are, un, you know, are unjust and corrupt. It matters what we do, and they're there to enforce laws. Okay, that's what the Bible says. You know, it says in Ecclesiastes 8.11, it says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly. So, like, we don't have any sentence against something that you do that's evil. He says, because the sentence of an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore, because it's not, the hearts of the sons of men are given fully to do evil. Isn't that what we're seeing now? It's always like, hey, we're going to take away all of the problems with, with any kind of you know, bringing a law down on people, and we're going to think everyone's just going to do better. No, people are going to do worse. That's what the Bible says, and that's what we're seeing happening. That's why crime is spiking from 100 to 800% in our major cities right now. Because people are looking at all these other extenuating circumstances and not just taking personal responsibility like, you know what? Maybe the reason I'm in trouble is because I did something wrong. But that we're not looking at that here. But here, when we get to heaven, it's like God is going to reveal who we really are. And notice he said in verse 1, there's a river that is clear as crystal. Maybe the water Jesus offered to the woman at the well in John 4 was a picture of this water. Jesus said to her in John 4, 14, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Yes, this water comes from the throne of God. And notice what's planted on either side of the crystal clear river. 
It's the tree of life. Remember, Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And when they sinned in the Garden of Eden and ate of the forbidden fruit, what did God do? He immediately put them out of the Garden of Eden. Why? So that they would not eat of the tree of life. Why? So man wouldn't live forever in a sinful body separated from God because of his own sin. Remember, God says, it's not that my hand is short that I can't reach you. I'm God. I can reach anybody I want to reach. It's not that my ear is dull that I can't hear you. I can hear everything. But your sin has made a separation between you and me. Your sin has severed my relationship with you. But now we can eat whatever we want in heaven. Who? The bondservants, those who are born again, the Christians. We can eat whatever we want because at this stage, we are now co-inheritors, joint heirs of heaven. Jesus said he's going to share heaven with us because we've all been washed clean by the blood of the lamb, our sins. We've all been given now new bodies. We no longer have a sin nature. So now we can eat of the tree of life because we're going to live forever. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.